Hello, and welcome to episode 249 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have interviews with creators from Future Sci-Fi Tales on Kickstarter now. On this interview, we have Drew Liner and we have Brian Judge. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. So, Drew, as the sort of the you know the the leading force behind this, the the editor, the 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 one that pulled us all together. Um, let's start off with you for a uh, a bio about yourself, and then an elevator pitch for this book. Sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me on again. It's been a pleasure. I think this is like my third time being on here, so pretty awesome. But uh, my name is Drew Lenhart. I'm a writer, creator, publisher, and owner of Snowy Works, which is a small independent publisher. Um, I've been creating comics since about 2017, and I have been released a number of anthologies, one-shots, and uh, an ongoing sci-fi series. Very so, cool. Um, and uh, before sort of I, I, I go over to Brian, let's, uh, let's actually talk about your story in the book. Sure. Uh, so my story is called The, the Suit Made It to Europa, and it's, it's basically um, uh, an investigator uh, landing on the moon of Europa, and uh, he's there to investigate a, a crime scene. And he's met up with like a military um, type guy, and they're conversing back and forth and kind of being interrogated on the way to this crime scene. Um, unfortunately, I can't like go too much further into the story without like blowing the whole details of it but um it's it's very dialogue heavy um i think i was watching a quentin tarantino movie at the time when i came up with this story where you know his movies are insanely dialogue heavy so that that's kind of like the basis of, of where this story came from very cool and i understand sort of not wanting to give too much away in the story that's that's a key part of sort of marketing and uh you know sort of creative uh comics uh you know so no worries about not wanting to give too much away there um so brian real quick uh for you let's uh let's talk about uh a quick bio and your story in the book okay my name's brian that's it I don't, I'm, not, I'm a man i like simple things uh i i don't have no fancy bio i like making comics um i do it as a hobby been making comics for a few years now and i'd say only recently am i getting good at it uh here's my story there's a guy his he's a robot man he's in the future there's some mutants uh they he's got to save the universe and maybe there's like a giant wormhole and maybe there's a worm in the wormhole and you know you never know what's gonna happen i mean obviously like any story unless i'm gonna end on a dark note he's gonna save the day and fight the mutant aliens and this and that in reality i, I kind of forget what happens in the story i i didn't write it <laughs> I drew all the pages and I said this in the last like thing we all did together at uh, uh, the Indie Comics Union. No, wrong guy. In Indie Comics Dispatch. Uh, I, I like to just sit down and just make little comics and figure out a story visually and then I'll hand it off to someone else to have them figure it out what the actual plot is. Um, and my my good buddy Joe, Joe Rodri, uh, shout out to you. I don't know if you're ever going to listen to this, but hey, here's a shout out. Uh, he figured out how to write an actual story where my art was just a guy with robot laser gun hands fighting bats and going to like a weird factory and fighting a giant worm he actually put together a, a storyline and a plot yeah so i you know you mentioned that we were on a uh you know a podcast a youtube show earlier where i heard this sort of um 
you know, the development of the story. So I want to touch on this a little bit more. So you basically just sat down, I guess, maybe had the idea for this, you know, cool robot doesn't have hands, has laser hands. And you're, you're yep. drawing this out. Um, not really thinking too much about like plot and story, no, I, you, a little bit, but not like, like fully, oh, like, yeah, like, no, like as so. a writer would have. And then you just turned this yep. over to somebody. Um, was it fully like paneled out and like, uh, Oh yeah. The, the entire story was, was complete. Everything was done. I just didn't really want to, I didn't want to write for it. Uh, Cause I think that um, I, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. I'm not good at coloring and I'm not really that good at writing. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm okay, but uh, I, I know people that are better writers than me. and I'd rather have them contribute their best talents to, to whatever my talents are than try to take take a story and, and sort of handicap it by having me write some some weird stuff about, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about you guys, but I always sort of worry is what I'm writing, does it make sense? Am I writing sentences that make sense to people? My buddy Joe, he, he's just, uh, he's a lot better at, um giving things cohesive endings and giving things a conclusion that makes sense whereas me i just have my stories end with yeah giant monster blows up that's it <laughs> you know can i get as fast as, as you could possibly do you know so with with joe with turning the story over to joe as uh, as as artwork was there a lot of like back and forth or were you just surprised that like you know here it is here's a, here it is and you're like oh my god this is amazing he just turned this uh yeah, no, it's, this into like a cohesive story to, to be honest i mean I, i've done collabs in the past and um but whenever someone comes up to me with a collab I've, I've had a few collaborations that never turn out or that did not turn out too well and always with those type of collabs it's there's conflicting um uh, uh visions where someone will come up to me i have, I have this all that happen all the time where it's like it's it's a it's a very bad like just a crappy soundcloud rapper who wants to make their like boondocks knockoff comic and they come up to me and they say all right ma'am um you're gonna do all the work you're gonna write or no i'm not gonna write uh, here's my like half-baked script that doesn't make sense it doesn't have an ending you're gonna draw the entire thing as a comic and then i'm gonna go sell the comic then we're gonna make future issues and then you're gonna make money once i sell this book that's not even done yet and it's just like stuff like that where it's like okay we well, don't actually you don't actually want to collab you just want to use me to to do what you want to do so i mean hey personally i feel like the best collabs are like hey i've done a thing contribute what you want to do i'm not going to handicap anyone else's vision you know i mean if you want to take the story in a, in a dramatically different term i mean there's a reason why i'm bringing this other person into this it's because they can do something i can't and if i if i disagree with it that probably means it's a good thing because it's not something i would have done you know like and my i mean I don't know. A lot, a lot of people have this whole mentality of like comics that they mistake it as being like the director or they, they mistake what the idea of a director is. Where like a director of like a film, let's say, you know, they're, they're the guy like steering the ship, but they don't literally do every single thing. They don't, they're not the cinematographer. They're not the guy uh, uh, dressing the actors. They're not the actors. They're usually not people writing the script, they're not the people editing it. They're not people making the, the music. It's a collaborative effort. And the director is just the guy there to say hey here's the general direction i want this to go in let's all work together but he's not the person literally doing every single aspect you know he's he's, he's giving uh, that part up and i i think that's the uh, important comics too and that we sort of overlook that you know the same way that like you know uh, all, all these elements that are working together and you know someone can do it on their own but like 
no, you, you, you can't, you can't get a whole bunch of people to have the same exact vision as you. At least I don't think so. All right. So as Drew and I, as controlling writers are over here, hyperventilating, <laughs> hearing this story, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna yeah, to check, yeah. check in with the other artist Noah here <laughs> to see if he has any questions. Yeah. How, how does uh, the guy make it a reality thing? <laughs> what is, what's his thoughts? Uh, well, it's sort of, it's what's interesting about everybody on this, podcast here is that we don't really have like you know the the I think Drew may be the only one here who I mean and Drew can speak for himself obviously but Drew's the might be the only one here who actually like wrote the script and then passed it off to an artist because Matt and I we didn't do your typical Matt wrote the story and then I drew it like I, I came up with the story dictated it to Matt Matt turned it into a script and then I turned it into a comic it was very different so I kind of I'm, I'm feeling what what Brian's laying down where it's like you know, you really can't have one without the other, obviously, you know, like, it's sort of like cyclical. It's like, you know, snake getting its own head with comics. Uh, like, I think there's a beginning definitely with the idea. But then it like, it really takes like a village to execute that idea. So yeah, I, I don't know. Well, that was incredibly well, I'm interested interesting. In his I, I just to, that, just to put in, I, it's so interesting. I didn't realize that like we all did every single possible approach to to a collaborative like uh, uh, artist and and writer uh, possible. It sounds like, but <laughs> sorry, continue. Yeah, it, it is pretty interesting. So I think as Drew and I have taken a deep breath and we're able to recover as the uh, the the controlling writers here, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring Drew in. So Drew. Um, you know, you have, is this, the, this is the sixth volume of uh, Future Sci-Fi Tales, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, and so, what, and, and the, the theme of this was space, so you were looking for people to, to fit into that, um, and did you have your story at that point, or were you, you know, did you go, all right, I'm going to do space, and you, you came up with your Europa story, or, or how did that sort of develop there? Um, I, I think it was earlier this year. I was I was looking for ideas, something different that I haven't done in the series before. And um, <clears throat> I like space stories the best. I, they're they're my favorite. So I thought it would be a good way to start with that. I didn't have my story ready yet. I had it written, mm -hmm. but it wasn't actually produced. So it kind of just worked out that way for me. Nice. And do you write, uh, do you write full script or do you write sort of Marvel method or maybe a bit of a hybrid of the, uh, of the two? Um, I write very detailed scripts that probably shouldn't <laughs> be done that way. Um, yeah, I, I tend to be a little over descriptive on my panels and, and things like that. I, I don't, I've never really tried the Marvel method, but, um, I'm, but I'm also very flexible with the artists. I kind of let them, you know, take my interpretation and, and kind of run with it. And if they come up with something better, then, you know, that's great too. Um, you know, I'm not always the best judgment with how, how things can lay out on, on the page. And, and, you know, that's, that's why I'm grateful to the artists because, you know, there may be scenes where, you know, I plan for nine panels and they can do it in three and, you know, things like that. And so. Nice. And was this an artist that you had worked with in, in the past or was this a brand new endeavor? Um, he had, his name's Hernan Molina. Uh, he had actually had a story in a previous issue of Future Sci-Fi Tales. So he had an entry, but I had never actually worked with him on a project before until now. So he was actually a really great artist and really, really easy to get along with. So he was a really good guy. So he was unaware that he was going to get this sort of Alan Moore-esque sort of 
uh, script dropped on them. Uh, at, yeah. At... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. So uh, again, I'm going to check in with Noah and maybe this is a, a tag team for the, the, the artist here. What would you prefer? Would you prefer um, very detailed or you prefer sort of the, the, the latitude to um, sort of have a minimal description um, sort of like character A, character B, motivations, this is what they're saying to each other, this is the environment they're in. Um, or maybe sometimes you just like to turn your brain off and be like, all right, the writer's giving me everything he wants, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go this way. What, what are your thoughts there? I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, you know, I like working with you, Matt, so there's that. And uh, you're, you're very sparse with your script and sort of leave it up to the artist. Um, not like lazy sparse, I mean, but you know, but you know how it is. You would know how you write. Um, but the, uh, um, but I do like, I, I like what, what collaborations I have had where, you know, it was really cool in this book. Uh, I had, of course, did the book, the, 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 the story with you, but I kind of got a, a glimpse into how Drew works because Drew approached me for a cover for this book. Mm -hmm. And, and Drew could talk about this too, but like Drew had an idea like of what he wanted. And it wasn't like super descriptive, but it like it gave me like he had he hit the right words and the right descriptors where I was like, yep, I know what you want. And um, I, I guess uh, I'll have to turn it over to Drew if I like gave him what he want, wanted or I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it definitely helped to have Drew like tell me what exactly was in his mind. Now, you, you nailed that one because I, I happened to be watching the Masters of the Universe movie. And Hell yeah. Yo, talk about a great movie. <laughs> and, and the opening scene, I think you nailed it with what I was, was watching in the movie, I think. So I, I think you did a great job there. You, you got it right on. Cool. Well, thanks so much. It was a great, it was so much fun drawing. Nice. So Brian, this story that you did was, you know, it seems like you had, and forgive me if, if this is not correct, but sort of this fun, wacky concept. It's, you know, robot, no hands, lasers, and you're just sort of, you're just drawing and you're having fun with this. Um, do you have any experience in the past as uh, a comic artist with somebody turning a, a script over to you? I know you said some of the, you know, the experiences you've had where people sort of have pitched you on ideas and they've unfortunately given you that thing that we all don't want to hear being paid, yeah. being paid in exposure, right? Like, uh, you know, when this takes off, then you're going to see all, all, all the money, but have you had collaborations in the past with writers where they've given you sort of more of a detailed script? Nope. Not, not really at all. No. Uh, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, when it comes to comics, I mean, I, it's, it's, um, Again, to, to go back to, to directors for a moment, since I think that's like a, that's an oddly applicable thing uh, to comics. I think a lot of people, they want to be uh, Steven Spielberg. They want to be Quentin Tarantino. They want to be George Lucas. They have these like really grand visions of this like magnum opus, these, these big epics or, you know, these intense, like just incredibly well-written things. Man, I, I want to be, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. Um, uh, um, Sorry, it'll just take me one uh, moment uh, to look it up on my computer so I can remember my uh, point. Um, God, he, he made just like a, like a, like a, a bunch of just garbage. Um, oh man, what's what's the guy's name? Um, Edward. No, no, no. It's, uh, 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 Is he a director? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh, uh, the guy. Paul he... Tom. Paul Thomas. Dan no, Paul Thomas. Uh, whatever. No, Paul no. <laughs> 
Uh, shoot, man, this is this is going to bother me. Um, You're talking about the director that made all those horrible movies. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah Michael Bay. Ba- Michael Bay. Ba- he's, he's, he's a master, like 1960s, 70s. Uh, he had like Francis Ford Coppola and the guy that made Science of the Lambs and like. Uh, oh, Roger Corman. Huh? Roger. Corman. Yeah, Roger Corman. Okay, I want to be the Roger Corman. All right, I want to just be out there and I just want to like make comics nonstop. I, I, I have no concerns about whether or not what I'm making is good or great or having any like grand epic series. I don't want to work with a writer. I just want to make comics on my own and just keep on pushing out enough stuff until I can make something good and use whatever goodwill that I have to like help other people. The same way Roger Corman would just go up to like Francis Ford Coppola and say like, hey, I had the set open for like three days. If you want, if you can like, if you can make a movie in like three days, I'll fund it because I already have the actors on contract and like the set's still here. And that's how Francis Ford Coppola like, made his first movie. The guy, the guy that made like the Godfathers is like <laughs> working with like, with like a schlocky guy from the 60s and 70s. That, that's what I want to be, man. I mean, I, I mean that, that does not mean in any way to, to discredit anyone who of course works with a writer. That's an amazing amount of uh, communication and, and patience uh, that I just don't, I, I don't have uh, I just I have my own little vision and I'm I want to get to that you know um uh be, I, I want to be like Roger Corman I don't, I don't want to be no Spielberg I, I don't want to be any like uh, a tour I just want to be like a guy making comics nice well, I mean that's respectable I mean it's 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 sort of like uh the the thing about comics is is that you you really you have you know, starting off, you have no budget, like you, you can make these as grand as you want to be, you know, and there's no limits on you, you know, I I would have to assume that's, you know, a young Steven Spielberg, or, um, you know, Roger Corman, they would love to not sort of have the limitations of you can't do this, because the camera can't pick this up, or you can't do this, because we don't have the budget for it. So, you know, the the fun of comics. Yeah, no, certainly. But I mean, I, I think that it, it is also re- restraints are important at the same time. That's why I, I like doing the occasional anthology, just because the I mean, it's a classic. I, I could just go on for hours about film. I mean, it, it's a classic thing about Jaws is that what makes an effect horror movie is they couldn't get the animatronic working and they had to like, oh, we'll figure out like a different way to have the shark in it, but not have the shark. You know, it's it's like workarounds like that and working with like a very basic theme. It, it sort of gives me the, the sort of same thing where it's like, how do I make this about, you know, this specific idea and, you know, like what, what's, what's something I would want to do. And I mean, right now it's funny. I'm actually, I'm putting together an anthology with the goal of making it as fast as, as humanly possible. It's going to be called the leftovers and I God hoping it's going to be done in like a week. Uh, and the entire basis of that is, you know, Hey, anyone who wants just submit like whatever you have so long it's already done. It's going to be 16 page book. We're just going to be as fast as possible. Like that's what I want to do, man. So yeah, that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, it almost seems like it's uh, like guerrilla, like comics making. It's just sort of like, yeah. uh, you know, sort of they uh, take this take this aspect of it and either like speed it up or like put a constraint on it so that it's like you got to do it. Um, and you got to do it, do it fast. But yeah. go ahead. I, I oh sorry, I'm sort of talking over you, but I, I don't understand like why isn't everyone having their focus being let's crank this machine to the highest possible speed and let's just like get it done as fast as possible just because we can so we can move on to the next thing. Um, because that's where my mentality is. You know, I just want to like keep on moving forward, just keep on churning out stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh that that's inter- I mean, hey, you can do that in comics, you know. You can if, if you really set if I really set my mind to it, I bet you and like uh, 48 hours I could make like uh, like like a four page story about I don't know a robot in space and 
his, his wife divorces him and he doesn't know how to like move on in life. So now he's doing like, he, he's working at like a bowling alley or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> it almost seems like you're uh, like that, with that description, it's almost like uh, ad libs. You're like robot space divorce. Um, oh, yeah. and then it's like <laughs> all right let's 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 go you know and honestly that's that's what i'm trying to get out of i'm trying to get out of like an ad lib mentality i'm trying to like but i mean i i think certain things are are easy to work with space for for me is just i can write a, i can write a million stories about like a guy in space and he's like working like like a crappy day job because mm-hmm. for some reason like that pitch to me like get something but like Take taking an idea and maybe like slightly subverting it. Like, hey, what would you read a, a, a comic about? Like, he, okay, so he's working at the bowling alley and like it, it, things aren't going well for him. But like, hey, he has enough money to get by. But like, he keeps seeing his wife on Tuesday and like I don't know, maybe the wife is like getting into bowling and it's sort of like, man, this job's are good for me. Should I stay here and just deal with that stress? Or do I like move on? And I don't know, maybe there's like a like a giant space war going on in the background and like you see the occasional soldier of like the fascist regime come into the bowling alley because it's their Tuesday and they start saying <laughs> like oh man you know that now he's like trying to hit on my like ex-wife but like hey shouldn't I just like let her be happy you know I don't know like why don't you do a story <laughs> like that you know that I think you need to make that. Yeah, I, I, maybe I should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. What I, do. I wanna like I wanna make every single type of comic. I mean I wanna like uh, I, I don't know and I, I struggle with that we're like I, I want to make something like really sort of like unlike anything you've ever seen before but that's really hard to do because how do you make something that no one else has ever seen before so yeah the other thing i think we need to do is that we need to date stamp this so like when mark millar comes out with his uh divorced robot bowling comic and we like hey we know that you listen to our podcast mark millar that's that's not your story was wasn't cool when you stole my idea for wanted (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, they got rid of all the clowns i don't know what that was about the clowns were like a really big part of the story <laughs> cool. um so uh i'd like to turn things over to drew and also i'm going to check in with noah here really quick so so drew um as the the editor and the the, the person who brings all these stories together you know you were looking for a space theme but was there something else sort of beyond that that you were looking for 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 people to uh collaborate on this um on this uh, anthology not really i was really looking for something just you know something with a space element it didn't have to be set in space it could have hinted at space but no i was really i just wanted to see what came out of all you guys you know what what could we get with this space theme? I, I think we all nailed it pretty well, and it, it, it turned out pretty awesome. Awesome. I have a, I have a question off of that for you, Drew, because like mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, you know, Matt and I will be doing a podcast about one or two books, and we'll be talking about them, and then we'll be like, you know, they'll be like disconnected and stuff like that. But then we end up talking about it, and we find sort of like maybe what drew us to each book, and maybe that's sort of the common denominator. Uh, I'm wondering if like you, you know, just wanted everybody to do like a space story. And then when you got it all together, there's like a through line that you found that's sort of like maybe you didn't intend um, with everybody's stories. Cause like, like, I mean, obviously like there's some like robots and mechs and things like that that sort of intersect and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there's obviously some stories that, you know, like your, your story and and my story, it was, it's actually set in space and outer space. Um, You know, I think some of the other stories kind of hinted at things 
in a, in a way that I didn't kind of think about. Um, one of the stories was, was actually kind of about a, a saber-toothed tiger, you know, on a planet and a spaceman come, comes on. You know, I had no idea that, that this that was going to pan out that way. And actually kind of brings a little bit of balance to the book, I think. Um, other than awesome. just having six stories, you know, all set in space, outer space with spaceships and all that kind of stuff. So it, it really did bring a lot of balance to it. Do you find that to be like a, a thing that happens throughout all the anthologies that you've done on like future sci-fi tales where you're just sort of, you know, you're always blown away by maybe like one, someone's choice, like for, for what story they, they input in, they put in. Yeah. Um, but you know, the other thing with the other, uh, uh anthology issues is where I didn't really have a, a theme where I would accept, or I was accepting pretty much anything that people would send to me, but, um, yeah, I'm always surprised by what people come up with. Cause, uh, it's always a lot of cool stuff out there. And with this being volume six, you know, uh, Noah and I had a relationship with you. You know, we contributed a story to, I believe, volume four. Mm -hmm. And we've, you know, you've been a guest on our podcast a number of times. Were you looking for people um, that you had connections with, uh, that you were comfortable with, that you knew that were were serious and they could deliver? Like now with like volume six, like how's it sort of evolved from like one to six? Yeah, good question. Um, I the first five issues, I always I always went through this like lengthy submission process, and quite honestly, it it's kind of has its up and downs to it because you get a lot of people either throwing pitches or you have people submitting their complete stories. You know, I have to deal with people not delivering their stories, and it's always this rocky road where I kind of worry about: Am I going to get this out when I want to get it out? Um, this particular book, you know, when I approached all you guys earlier this year, I said, I'm going to try something different with this because I don't want to go through that, that again, because mm-hmm. I want to get this book out on Kickstarter on a certain date. So that's, that's why I approached all you guys, everyone, every, every creator in this book, I have worked with in some fashion over the past few years, either they've had a story in a previous issue of, of mine or I've hired them as an artist on another story or something like that. But yeah, that was, that was the total approach to this book. I wanted people that I knew that could deliver um, the stories when, when I needed it. Awesome. So that must've made you feel like, like a level of like comfort in that life before you had this open submission process when you were probably seeing, I'm just guessing here, you're probably seeing like, amazing things things that had potential things that you were hoping that would happen that maybe fell through but with this it was uh, like a hopefully like the the comfort level you had once you got started was um a lot easier for you yeah yeah it's actually refreshing to like you know you know we we i think i reached out to all you guys like back in january or february or something like that and we just kind of let that six months ride and like everybody got their stories in on time and it, it was great. It was, it was a refreshing experience this time around. Nice. Um, so uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to turn things over to Noah. Um, I know that you've taken some of your, your, you know, your, your other projects, uh, the Kickstarter, um, uh, the, your, your sort of single issues. Is this the first time, is this the first time you've taken future sci-fi tales to, to kickstarter yes yeah okay. this is the first one um the first five issues i would just release digitally in a small print run 
Um, yeah, this this is the first one to Kickstarter since I've had some previous success uh, with my other uh, campaigns. Cool. Uh, so just actually one more question before I go to Noah. So um, I probably should know this as a uh, contributor and, and somebody who's who's helping sort of market the the, the Kickstarter. Um, is the is there the ability to get the previous um, five issues maybe digitally um, as you come in on the the sixth volume of, of this Kickstarter? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the digital tier, I think I I recently added a, a an extra digital tier so that you can get them all all five books all PDFs. Um, if you want the physical copies. Uh, there is a, a full collection tier where you can get all the books or okay. there's add-ons if you just want to get one or two. So yeah, that's, it's all there. Cool. Uh, so Noah, I'm going to turn things over to you for, for a question here. Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually going to answer that question for uh, Drew because I was just on the page. So oh, I was okay. going to interrupt him and take over because I'm <laughs> an expert on the page. <laughs> no, um, I, I was a, uh, I had a question about um, I had a question off of the anthology, but I'll turn it over to Brian and ask the question I had for him. Um, I can't remember, Brian. Do you do all your art traditionally? Are you like a pen and paper on you know pencil and on paper kind of person, or are you digital with how you do well, your art? I am completely pencil on paper. Uh, I, I pencil paper, I ink them, I scan it, and then I go in digitally via Photoshop to spruce it up a little bit, maybe add color. Okay, so awesome. Are you? Do you like? Because like when I'm listening to how you describe your your work thing, it feels almost like there's just not much of a process from idea to page. But I, I kind of want to check and see. Like, do you do thumbnails or anything like that before oh, you yeah, put it on no, the page? I, uh, or, yeah, I, yeah. I thumbnail everything that I do. I just um, I, I sit down with a piece of paper and I force myself to make comics. Um, I mean, oftentimes it can be something as simple as like, I watched a movie and I like the idea for that. Now I want to do a story like that. Or like, I'll have an idea like, hey, I've never done a, this type of story. Like, um, I don't know. You, you, got, you guys see Eternals by chance? Not yet. Yeah, I, no, I want to know. It's like it's like way too long and not really that good. Like even for Marvel stuff, it's it, it, I, I I wouldn't recommend it. But I like the idea of a story about gods. So maybe one of these days I'll do a story about gods. But like that sometimes the starting point could be simple as that. Other times it could be like, hey, I want to challenge myself and you know, can I tell a story that's you know more long form? You know, can I do something in color? What would be a good like thing for color? You know, maybe uh, this or that. And like, so it's either you know me just like whatever I'm observing, whatever I'm watching, or me trying to like challenge myself. I'd say there's like the two points of inspirations. What, um, now I'm curious now because like you've mentioned cinema a lot and uh, okay, so I have one question, one more question, quick question about thumbnails and then I have a question about comics. Uh, but um, do you thumbnail the whole story out or are you just page by page thumbnail? Oh, you know, I, I thumbnail the entire story. I, I try to, Oh wow. I, I sort of, um, I, I get the flow of the story. I mean, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll come up with something, but then I'll, I'll think, I don't actually want to draw like this, like complicated scene of like a guy on a motorcycle doing like a flip. You know, I'll just rather yeah. like have him like walk or something, you know, I, I'll, I'll take the lazy route or I'll like go off, like go, go off script. But generally speaking, I think the most important thing is figuring out before you, like before I even write anything, if I do choose to write, uh, I figure out the entire story visually. I figure out each and every panel and then I go back and then I write because I mean, it's it's more important to me to understand the flow of the conversation than the literal word for word part of the conversation. So, mm -hmm. 
Okay. So, and then, so I have a question then about like where you get your comic language from. Like you, you've mentioned cinema as a big inspiration, but like, what are the comics that uh, inspire you? And I guess this, this extends to Drew also, because I'm pretty sure we've asked Drew before, but I wouldn't mind hearing it again. Yeah, what are the comics uh, that like gave you sort of like, okay, this is how to draw comics? Good question. I mean, there's there's a bunch of like just names I could say about like people that obviously impact me. Like anyone else, start out with Kirby and Ditko, and I'll return mm-hmm. to them. Uh, Josh Bayer, I think, is one of the greatest cartoonists alive right now, and he really inspired me and uh, in, in my attitudes towards comics in sort of this anarchic, like, why not do this? Like, why are you restricting yourself by trying to be this one thing? You could be wonderful doing this completely other thing um i I really recommend looking at josh bayer's work there was a bootleg uh rom the space knight book i've never read uh, rom the space knight but uh when i was 16 i found this uh book in a a bookstore in new york when i was there on senior of high school for a trip to comic-con that my parents very graciously let me and my friends go it was like a a senior year present um i just found it in a bookstore uh and for whatever reason i wanted to read all-star batman and robin so i also picked that up so sort of like the two absolute extremes of comics of like completely underground, bootleg, anarchic, like non-literal, uh, uh, absolute mess. It, it's barely coherent at times in the most beautiful way. And the most absolutely boring, generic superhero story with sort of good, okay art, you know, like, I guess it's okay art, but like, it's so like lacking personality that it's like, what is this for? And I don't know, something about that, I think uh, uh, maybe like impacted me, maybe realized that like, yeah, you can like have, you, you can do things sort of like the standard way and people will like that, sure. Heck, maybe people will buy it like 10 years after now, but like the stuff that really mm-hmm. inspires you is not gonna be a, a Batman story, if you ask me. Like I, I'm i so sick to death of like, uh, uh, I realized that you, I've got, I almost cursed, but I, I hey listeners, <laughs> I was told very explicitly that if I curse, that I can get my ass out of here. <laughs> oh shit! I just said ass. Oh fuck! I just said shit. Um, no, I mean, no, I just I, I I like things that are that are creator driven, and I mean, I I just like movies. I, I like comics. Uh, I I like cartoons. I love animation. Um, and if you ask me, they're all they're sort of. I mean, obviously they're not the same, but I I just don't understand why. Okay. If, if you notice, like, the average person that, like, reads, let's say, Batman, just because I'm going to be petty for a second and say, everyone who reads Batman sucks. No, um, just kidding, obviously, <laughs> hyperbole. Uh, please, dear God, if you like Batman, don't don't stop listening. Um, but, like, Casablanca is an incredible movie. Batman's had some good comics. Why can't there be a Batman comic that's more like Casablanca? Like, why can't we have, like, a story that, that thematically operates on the same levels as another medium you know not not like literally but like in in tone and you know these other things like why is it that comics are very standardized in in how they approach certain things why can't we be more experimental in the same way that other artistic mediums of expression are like why is that for some reason in comics you know it's, it's a little bit less common i'd say hmm. very ah. interesting uh, I'm sort of right. I don't know if I agree with any of that, but that's not my job. I'm here to Hey, you don't have to agree. You don't have to hear the opposition. Go. (laughs) Oh, I I mean it's obviously in the eye of it's in the eyes of the beholder, definitely. And you're the beholder, go. Yeah, well, no, I I would say that things like uh, it's sort of interesting because I think that the two greatest Batman stories are by Frank Miller. So they they are very creative driven and he sort of redefined 
what our modern idea of Batman because of the strong themes and Dark Knight Returns in year one. Uh, and uh, I, I won't say that like I feel the same way reading year one as I do watching Casablanca, but I do think that like you have enough people creating content dissecting Dark Knight Returns and Batman year one that gives weight to those stories uh, every year. And then you have on the opposite side enough people critiquing his follow-up with Dark Knight Strikes Again and, you know, all-star Batman and Robin, which are supposed to be sort of like the follow-ups to his two big, you know, his two big graphic novels yeah, and how exactly. they just completely missed the mark thematically from what the first two were trying to do, even though they were done by the same person. But my, my I, yeah, if, yeah. If I, can, if I can give like a, like a brief counter argument, um, for, for as bad as those works will be, when you read them, you can still tell that it's the voice of a human being writing them. Yeah. I, the I, yeah. I, I don't think I could say that for a lot of, you know, mainstream books and obviously not every book, but I mean, when, when you're working in a mandate, especially like comics like the last couple of years, I, I just think they've really just gone and are just, I, I'm not seeing any, anything really new that stimulates me personally, but like, I, I'd rather read something personal that seems like it's made by a human being, whether or not it's good or bad, than a good story that feels manufactured to me you know like I'd, I'd rather see something that challenges me in a way that maybe i don't even like than than read an endless amount of stories where green lantern fights insert character who does he fight he fights like no i take that he, he fights space ground that's kind of cool but uh, i don't know what the point i'm saying is the point is uh, no, all, all modern comics are made by machines except for green lantern i get it no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, all, all comics are bad actually <laughs> uh, everyone here is a talentless hack including me I'm <laughs> hack well I, I get what you're saying though because i think that like and I, I don't know maybe maybe i'm monopolizing the conversation here but i think that go for it uh the 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 battle between art and commerce is ongoing and it's been around since the you know, since art was there, you know, like since we've been able to record the history of art and sort of when you, what, I guess what society deems as exceptional art is when the expression or the personality of the art shines above the commerce it's trying to create or trying to maintain. Uh, like it, it's like, it's, it's sort of the like Sistine Chapel was made because someone paid uh, uh, Michelangelo to paint it. Yeah. But the spirituality and the expression in it outshines the money that he was paid to make it, and, and sort of what yeah. a, how big of a tourist trap it is now. And, you know and, that kind of thing. And more importantly, it's, the fact that he was able to take the canvas and and he drew the guy who funded him as like a, like a demon in in it. You know? <laughs> exactly. Like, like if you ask me that, yeah. that's the, that's the last laugh. That's like the the great part. To all yeah. That. yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm interested if Drew and Matt have thoughts on that. Yeah, what are your thoughts on the Sistine Chapel? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, before the Sistine Chapel, um, <laughs> just like I feel like um, some of the, the comments about sort of mainstream com comics are valid, but I also feel that like if you're a writer and you're James Tinney in the fourth and they're like, hey, write Batman, there's certain constraints on you. You know, uh, you have to create the sense of drama and like, you know, I'm 10 pages in. And for a moment, I'm like, is Batman going to make it out of the story? And then I'm like, and then I'm like, and then I read it and go, of course, Batman's going to make it out of yeah. the story because there's another <laughs> issue. There's another issue coming out next month. So like, uh, there's, I, I feel like there's a, there's a lot of constraints put on uh, like big two writers um, that they can't play 
with with things. But if you look at somebody like like a Rick Remender, who would do like an X Force run, where he would play with things a little bit, but then all of those pieces would just get put back into place when he was done um, for for the next writer. But he couldn't go too crazy. But then you would look at something that he does for for image where he has like all of the freedom to go where he wants so you can kind of see the the creativity in in both hands it's like all right i'm going to play with these toys i'm going to mess them up a little bit knowing that i'm going to leave this play set and everything's going to get put back together for for the next kid that comes here um almost from like point one and then you go to get your your image book and there's like no constraints so you can go as crazy as you want. So I think there's a, there's a lot of creativity in both. Um, so I think some of the comments are valid, but again, it probably goes back to that big two is, you know, at the bottom line, at the end of the day, it's, it's a business and, you know, Batman's got to be there next month. Spider-Man's got to be there next month. So like, there's only so much you can do there and to do it creatively and to trick me, for maybe just a second while I'm reading that book, I'm like, oh no, Spider-Man's not going to make it out of this. And then get to page, you know, 22 and go, well, of course he made it out. It's, there's an advertisement for next month's comic. It's, it's, it's probably pretty difficult for those guys. So I think a lot of those points are valid that everybody that made there and that sort of big two constraints of popular comics and then sort of the joy of not having those constraints and just sort of going wild. I think a lot of that stuff is valid. I, I think that's Good. part of the well reason said. why. Yeah, I, I think that's part of the reason why I don't read too much mainstream mainstream comics. You know, it's for that reason because there I I don't feel like there's too much creative freedom to do what you want in a Batman comic per se, because like you said, you know he's going to be alive for the next issue. So I, it, it's hard for me to read that when there's when there's not that. Even like like a step beyond that, like what was the last like really new character that really stood out that was not just an amalgamation of two existing ideas? I mean, like like, like sincerely, aside from, I mean, I I guess I I would include Miss Marvel just because the fact that it's quite literally you know the passing of, of a name. I mean, how come it, it just it doesn't feel like that? It, it just doesn't feel like anyone is is able to interject. You know, here's my fresh new bold take. And it lasts only three issues and then goes back to the status quo. You know, like you don't like really see that. And I mean, a part of me just wonders, I mean, hey, God, God bless anyone working in the industry. I, I know they're working hard, you know, I, I mean, in no way to discredit them. But I also wonder if you get into comics, why, for instance, writing Batman, like why, why be the cover band? You know, like ultimately, unless you are, you know, the absolute best writer working at DC right now, chances are you're your Batman run is never going to be able to live up to just the expectations, you know, of, of what's happened before. And you're going to end up, you know, sort of being the cover band writing another story where Batman fights the Joker or Batman fights a mobster. Like why not, you know, go and make your own idea where you can really tell the story you want to do. We're like, Hey, what if, what if Batman is a meth addict and he, he <laughs> can only, he, he, he puts a gun to his head every morning just to remind himself that he's human again. Like, like, why, why not do like a story like that? You know, that you could never do in DC because of whatever, like, rule. it's like, it's like, remember, remember when to, to get slightly crass for a moment when uh, <laughs> they, they wanted to show Batman's penis, but then DC censored it. 
Mm-hmm. Why does it matter what fat? Why does it matter that we see or, or don't see his penis? Like, why did you censor? Oh no, I don't know how I'm gonna react that I see that Batman has a penis. It's like, yeah, he's a, he's a human being, supposedly in the comic. You'll be, you'll be weird if you didn't have a penis. Like, why 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 these arbitrary rules that we have to follow or that a writer has to follow? Like, why why can't we just go completely insane and and do something more personal rather than like another story where he fights a mobster or he fights a Joker? Want to have a story where he goes to space and goes to the planet Bat, where everyone's a Batman? I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just here making stuff that I want to make. So I have like two thoughts here. I think the the last two sort of important cre- uh, um, characters that have been created in comics. Yo, I want to hear this. I, I think it's, I think it's Deadpool, and I think it's Harley Quinn. I think that's the last time you got something fairly original and i know that harley quinn came from the yeah, animated yeah. series into the comics and hey, those are definitely two of like the most dominant characters for dc and marvel right now and i mean it certainly has to do with the fact that they uh tonally you know they they complement each other tonally and mm-hmm. they have movies and they have video games and this and that but i i, I want to continue sorry yeah and so the other thing is i think that um if we look back at a number of years ago when Kirkman, I think people refer to it now as the Kirkman manifesto, when he sort of did that green screen sort of video where he is like, what you need to do is you need to make your bones at the, at the big two to sort of use that machine to build up your name. And then you need to break away and then you need to do your, your independent stuff. So I think maybe that's the sort of the game plan for a lot of, uh, writers that have the ability to do big two work now is is that you you use that machine to sort of build up your name and then you break away and then you do your image book you do your boom book your your dark horse book so that's sort of my thoughts there yeah I amen I guess uh, I, I I think that uh, it's always like it's always good to um, like talk about the like you know the, the 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 legacy of comics and sort of where we're at and sort of to, to discuss it and think about where we where we would like comics to be but I think it's what, what's cool about it is is that like we talk about it we think about it and then we go out there and we make comics that's the yeah. big thing right and I think that's sort of what's cool about everybody on this interview is that like we all sort of make the comics we want to see out there you know and I think and going off of the Kirkman thing, he sort of says that's the best way to approach writing comics too, is just to write what you want to read, you know, like, or, or, or tell the story you want to be told that you want to be told, you know, more than anything. And I think that's, uh, that, that's sort of what's cool about talking with you guys is, is we, it seems like all of us here just sort of want to write the stories we would like to read someday. Or, or in Drew's case, write the stories he'd wants to read and then also get everybody to contribute to one big, you know, anthology where he gets to publish the, hopefully a comic he'd like to read someday with, 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 with stories he'd like to read. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, awesome. Noah, this is why you're, this is why you're uh, one of the co-hosts. You, uh, you brought us back on topic there. So uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for <laughs> bringing us back on topic. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a level of of fan fandom. Like you, you could have the person that uh, you know goes and picks up their comics every Wednesday, reads them, and thinks about them. 
Um, and then, you know, there's certainly a level of, of folks that are like us who make comics, go on podcasts and discuss them and, and, and think about them so much. So like, I, I, I think one of the good things about comics is there's so many levels of like fandom that you can have. You like, you could just sort of pick up your books, read them for sort of enjoyment. Um, but if you want to, you can sort of break them down, reverse engineer them and, and start making them. So I, I feel like that's the, the bucket that all of us are in. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So um, I feel like we've got a lot of places in this interview. We, we've talked about our stories, but I want to I want to bring everything back. So, um, you know, this book is on Kickstarter right now. It's um, and I'm going to let Drew come in here. I feel like we're. We're, we're pushing that sort of 80% uh, funded mark here with a little over two weeks to go. Yeah, I think we're about 90% funded as nice. of now. Um, so yeah, we got about, yeah, about two weeks to go. Um, yeah, we're getting there. Awesome. And, you know, let's just, let's just, let's just be positive here. Um, we've already got that, that, that last 10%. Um and there's, let's just say there's roughly two weeks to 10 days to go on the Kickstarter. What are some of the plans there? Um, um, are there any stretch goals that are announced, stretch goals that maybe you're, you're keeping in your pocket um, as hopefully we see these funding goals go up? Yeah, yeah. I, I did announce a few um, at the tail end of the campaign, but um, uh, the first stretch goal, I, I really wanted to bring um, in some digital rewards, mm -hmm. uh, some books from some of the creators uh, inside the anthology. So we're going to do that. I'm going to throw in some books. I know, Matt, you tossed one in. A couple other people have a few in there. So that's kind of going to be a big batch of PDFs in there. Um, after that, I, I've got some extra like bookmarks and postcards um, if we do kind of get to that point. But. Yeah, awesome. I just want to point out that the story that is contributed is, uh, is a story that's written by me and, and drawn by Noah. So that's another of the, uh, the Macoon Noah Ray sort of collaborations there. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Awesome. So, Drew, let's let's. Uh, let's, I'm going to do my standard, uh, Kickstarter question, um, that I have for, for people who are on the podcast while they're running a Kickstarter. Um, what type of Kickstarter runner are you? Are you able to step away and come in and check the funding goals here and there? Or are you a refresh the page every 30 seconds and see what's going on? Um, I take the refreshing every second uh, to the next level. I have an extra monitor in my office <laughs> with it up all the time, and it refreshes every ten seconds. Oh man, no, we no, we finally found oh, somebody who's more more extreme than we are. Yay! Now we can make fun of them in the opposite direction. It's great. No. Yeah. 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 Um. So, um. So, Brian, um, as somebody who's, uh, you know a part of this you know your your name is not um on the on the kickstarter as, as the person who launched it you're obviously a, a contributor um how often are you going in to to look and see how how things are going i think uh, i think yesterday was the first day i <laughs> looked at the kickstarter uh to be honest um, I've, I've i've been a part of like a few kickstarter things this and um there, there was another anthology a couple weeks ago and uh, to be honest it just slips my mind i, I start forgetting hey it's probably going fine so <laughs> i should i should probably be paying more attention to it but um i i am not 
Uh, actually, it's funny you say that. There was a Kickstarter, uh, the Jaws Multiverse Anthology. I don't know if you guys remember that, but there was like some like anthology where it was all gonna be like Jaws stories. And I did, I did like a page for it, and the guy took the money and ran. So I should probably be paying more attention well, to this. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, um, I I check frequently not as much as if it was one that had my name to it or, or one of the publishing uh or my publishing imprint but i definitely go to look and see what it is um and i know that like drew it looked it seems to me that you're you're posting almost daily um maybe like uh two three times a day do you have a philosophy as to like how many times you're trying to hit social media to to get it seen um, it seems to me like you're most active on Instagram and, and Twitter. Do you do you have a uh, philosophy there? Um, yeah, I. It's kind of two sides to it. I you know I I try not to be annoying. And on the other hand, if you're not, not everybody's going to see your post on Instagram and on Twitter. So if I'm hitting it one or two times a day with a new post, I guess I don't feel as bad. But. Um, yeah, Instagram, Twitter. I mean, I've become more more uh, active on Facebook recently, um, joining these uh, indie comics groups and, and things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, as somebody who's run Kickstarters um, um, in the past, and I, I, I can see this by what you're posting, I think one of the great things that, that you do is that you present um, almost new material every day. Like no two posts are the same. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's uh, you're able to maybe take a screen grab from, from one of the stories. And then the next day it's a, uh, you know, it's a piece of art from, from another story. Um, so it, do, do you have a philosophy in that? Like, you know, I just don't want to push out the same material day to day. So maybe if somebody's seeing it um, at least they're, they're seeing a, a different aspect of it. It doesn't always look the same. It, it, you know, it might, you know, one post might not um, catch somebody's attention, but the next post where you, you change the art, you, you highlight a different story, um, that sort of catches the attention. Uh, do, you, do you have a philosophy there? Um, yeah, this is also kind of an experiment for me. Um, you know, I, I was kind of thinking that if, if I were doing the same graphic on Instagram every day, it kind of stuck out in my mind. Maybe people would gloss over it a little more mm -hmm. if they started seeing it more frequently. So that, yeah, that's why I'm switching it up. I'm also trying to show a little bit of everybody's story along the way as well, without giving up too much information. But mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know if it's much of a philosophy. It's more of an experiment to see if this will work going forward. Yeah. I, I I think you're, I, I definitely think you're, you're on to something. I sort of agree with, uh, with what you what you're doing it seems like you're hitting social media you know periodically through the day you're presenting things differently i i, I feel like that's at least from my experience that that's a it's a the approach that i like to take so i'm i'm, I'm with you there yeah yeah i wasn't sh yeah like i said I, I wasn't sure if i'm being too annoying by by doing this every day but then you know i'm i'm also trying to push a product here and trying mm -hmm. to to get this out there to as many people as possible so you know um yeah yeah and uh so let's one more kickstarter question and then i think we're gonna we're gonna finish up here um 
obviously when you launch there's the excitement there's the 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 day one the day two maybe even to day three there's sort of mm-hmm. you know backer 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 you know things are going up then you get sort of in the middle and and things slow down um and from my experience with kickstarter is it's uh it's a it's a jolt at the at the beginning and then things flatline maybe even go down and you sort of you get really worried you're like are people seeing this and then there's a there's a spike at the end you know in that last two days so how are you handling sort of your sanity in the middle as as things have maybe slowed down or or flatlined here in the middle um well this is my fourth campaign and and i think you nailed the the description of how a campaign goes yeah you you're right that there's that spike at the beginning, you know, like your first 48 hours is pretty critical. And then after that, it, it's like the slow burn, as I call it, as it, as you get towards that last week. Um, I really haven't been too worried about it on this campaign because all of my campaigns have like uh, trended the same in the mm-hmm. same way, you know, that, that second week is, is the slowest week in the third week. And it just, it's that very slow climb where you get like one backer each day or every other day or something like that. But uh, my first couple campaigns, I was like, you know, biting my fingernails, worrying if I was <laughs> going to get funded. But um, this, this time around, I'm really not too worried about it. Um, I, I just, it, it's still trending the same way as my other ones are. I've been kind of keeping an eye on them seeing where they're at but yeah and have you looked at i i know one of the features that i look at is like the 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 number of people who have like saved the campaign and they get that notification sort of email in the last two days like uh that's one of the things that i look at and i kind of like hope i'm like all right let's just say i'm at backer count x and i know that y number of people are still looking at this so if i could convert um you know, a percentage of those people who are looking at it, like that's going to be real crucial for me at the end. Are, are you looking at things like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it kind of helps when you've had previous campaigns and you can kind of compare what your, your ratio is. Mm-hmm. So like I've, I've kind of noticed in my previous three campaigns, like my ratio is the same, kind of the same in all the campaigns. And that's kind of why it doesn't make me worry too much in this kind of slow period, because I'm kind of, lower on that conversion rate mm-hmm. and I, I i'm pretty positive that it's going to go up just by the way the previous campaigns have gone yeah i i think that's uh that's a good i i think what you're saying is is right i i i feel like as a member of this campaign um looking at it as a contributor i've been pretty pretty excited by the the spike and sort of like going in like you know periodically through the day and going okay we picked up two backers we picked up roughly 80 bucks or you know we're we're, we're 40 bucks away from i, I kind of look at like it in hundred dollar increments like all right we're we're 40 dollars yeah. away from the next you know sort of hundred dollar increment like you know if we can get another three backers we're gonna want to get we're gonna get there so we're doing pretty well do, do you look at it that way as well I, I try not to like go by the dollar amount. I, I I'm more I'm more interested in the number of backers, I guess I should say, because I okay. think that's what excites me more about the book. Because I mean that if I get a hundred backers out of this book, then you know that's a hundred more people that that picked up this book. Very true. Um, the 
the dollar amount it, it matters to me because you know that's how we're getting you know the printing funds but you know that's not what's really important to me you know i want more people and i want more exposure for these yeah that's yeah. that's 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 a very very uh key thing we've actually known and myself we've heard that a lot on the podcast that like a lot of people are, are more excited by the the number of people they're able to get the book to as you know as you said that that funding goal is is important because it's like all right i'm going to be able to make this thing i'm going to be able to to print it ship it all those kinds of things but like you know the, the magic of being able to put the book in, let's just say 150 people's hands. Um, that's, that's the thing that's, that's really cool about this. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So again, I think, I think we're going to wrap up here. What I'm going to do here is uh, I'm going to put Noah on the spot as the person who came up, came up with, 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 with our story. I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him pitch our story because he came up with the idea. He did the art. I basically um, took the story beats of a really famous story and then sort of uh, put it all together. So Noah, why don't you give us a pitch for our story in the book? Yeah. So it's, it's basically a condensed version of Romeo and Juliet and set in space. So everything from the original Romeo and Juliet story is translated into a intergalactic feud between two houses on a uh, on a planet where they uh, want to have this specific um, uh, this specific element. It's basically Romeo and Juliet and Dune. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, so yeah, it, that's 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 my short pitch for for wherefore are you? Uh, mm-hmm. I had a lot I had a lot of fun drawing it. I hope Matt had just as much fun writing it. I did. It was it was an interesting um, experience for me because um, a lot of the things that I work on that you're, you're a part of either, um, you know, drawing it, um, helping me uh, write the story or even co-writing the story. It's for me, it's um, let me think of this cool concept and then put hopefully put a human angle on it um, to make you care about the characters. But for this story, it was like, all right. Noah's like, this is the story that is what we're going to use, um, but it's going to be this, it's going to be that. So then I sort of had to look at the, the major story beats of Romeo and Juliet and go, all right, I'm going to take a little bit of this and I'm going to take some of that. I'm going to sort of take some artistic license here or there to, to fit it in. So like I didn't have to come up with concept or... Um, making us care about the characters. I just sort of had to take the the story and then just sort of meld in these like sci-fi space elements to it to, to make a story. So it was definitely a different experience for me. And I, I did enjoy it that way. You forgot that there's mechs in it too. There are mechs in there. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Mech. Yeah. Shakes shakes, you know, Billy, uh, or you know, we call him Billy, uh, but Will Will Shakespeare, he 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 would have liked to have been able to put Max in, in his story. Yeah. I don't know what version that you've been reading that did not already have Max in it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I've been reading the wrong version this whole time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your story also has like mummies in it, right? Yeah. That's, no no spoilers. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> so, so Brian, we talked a lot about, uh, you know, your story, the, the, the joy and the fun of your story, but let's, uh, let's, let's pitch your story one more, one more time here. Uh, okay. So it's, um, a guy, he has laser, laser beam hands. His, his hands are like giant, uh, pyramid laser guns. Uh, the world is ruined and uh, the, the mutant monster alien wants to create a bridge to another 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 dimension and uh, use that to become the most powerful thing of all time. And uh, <laughs> that's the story. Honestly, I kind of forget half of it. Um, that being said, hey, uh, uh, it sure is something. And hey, if you like Marvel's Eternals, you're gonna like this story. Crossover, <laughs> uh, uh, that's right. Uh, yep, this is a continuation of Marvel's Eternals. And as we all know, uh, you know, wh- hey, wh- what happens to Kingo after the movie? We'll find out in this story. So, these these statements are co-signed by Angelina Jolie, right? Oh yeah, completely. Yeah, <laughs> we got her on board. Um, we weren't able to get the guy that played the played Kingo. Uh, we had to recast him. Um, which, by the way, fun fact for that movie: they cast a Pakistani actor as an Indian man, and that's that's no good. So that's a that that's a racist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me gather myself here for a second before I. Uh, so Drew, um, let's do two things here. Um, we need a pitch for for your story. I know that you um, carefully. Did not give us spoilers, which every good storyteller should do as they're marketing their story. But pitch for your story and a pitch for for the book in general as we close up here. Okay, so so my story is is a, an investigator lands on a on a moon. He meets up with a military uh, grunt type guy, and they're on their way to a crime scene, and he gets interrogated along the way going to end that right there and and your story too is also an official continuation of marvel's eternals and does feature kingo as, as a character correct? you are correct thank okay, you for yeah. that <laughs> uh as, as far as the book uh future sci-fi tales spatial void um the biggest part of this whole book is it's got a space theme so all six stories you know are related to space in some matter uh either set in space or reference space in in, in any way um each each story is great. They're awesome. They're between eight and ten pages each, so it kind of puts the book at the fifty to sixty plus page mark. Um, so yeah, it's a great book. I actually just finished it up pretty recently. Um, it's ready to go for print. Other than we have a couple uh, ads in one of the tiers, so uh, as soon as the campaign's done and we get the funds in those ad pages, it's it's ready to go to print, and then. So hopefully this will be a quick uh, turnaround on this campaign. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, very cool. Um, so one of the things we do when we close up the, the podcast is we let people know the, the, the best place um, to, to follow the, the creators on uh, social media. Um, Brian, do you do, do you do a lot of social media? Yeah, everything I make a post on social media, uh, specifically um, on Instagram. I picked the worst title in the world. So it's one and only comics, except where every space should be. It's an underscore. So it's one underscore only underscore uh, one and only comic. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. or if you just want to use the simple route, one and only comics.com. It's my store website, but also has a link to my Instagram as well as, hey, it's got, uh, it's got a great selection of books. Uh, Zomic book, which is a really big anthology I made. 
uh, Grublin's The Legend of Fire or Legend of Ashes. I forget what it's called. Uh, that's my most recent book. Um, and of course, if you want to get all your, your sweet Eternals merchandise, you can get straight from <laughs> um, That's right. We have everyone. We have Gilgamesh. We have Sprite. We have even Icarus and Makari. They're all there. So Very cool. Well, um, despite uh, Marvel's uh, disclaimers, we're going to put your uh, the links to your social media uh, in, the, in the show notes to, to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for that. Make sure to see Eternals exactly now <laughs> and also streaming Disney Plus in three to four months. So. Very cool. And, and, and Drew, I know we touched on this earlier. You are, I think, primarily an Instagram and, and, and a Twitter guy, but uh, do you want to give folks um, your handles where to, to follow you? Yeah, Instagram is just uh, uh, at Snowy Works. Um, I think Twitter, it's it's my name. It's just Lenhart Drew. Um, my website, snowyworks.com, has links to, to all those uh, social media accounts. So, Very cool. And does yours, I know that I'm a member of your, your mailing list. So if I go to your, uh, your webpage, is there a sign up for, for your email mailing list? Yeah, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, uh, snowyworks.com. Um, I have a newsletter. I do something about once or twice a month. Um, it's, it's just called The Works. Uh, you could sign up. It's it's just an easy newsletter. I try not to spam people too much, but uh, it just kind of gives a heads up of upcoming projects, uh, Kickstarters going on and things like that. Yeah, very cool. Well, we're going to put links to the, to the Kickstarter, um, Brian's website and social media, and, and Drew's um, website and social media and the, uh, the show notes. So for anybody listening, um, just sort of click the, the podcast you're using, scroll down, hit those links. And most importantly, uh, you know, at the time of this recording, hit that, that Kickstarter page and, and check that stuff out. So guys, this has been a lot of fun. You know, we've gone in a lot of directions. Um, there's been some Eternals talk here at the end. Um, that, that's been a lot of fun. So <laughs> Um, yeah, I didn't know been... this was going to be a spoiler heavy Eternals <laughs> review. Yeah, <laughs> I did not. I did not give the the Eternal spoiler here at the at the beginning of the podcast. But uh, it's and been a lot all, of every single Eternals fan. I know that I'm disappointing them. That millions were crying <laughs> out. I want to hear Kingo's story. And I'm sorry that I'm to tell you the spoiler about Kingo, the beloved character. Who again? I really want to point out Pakistani as as a, as an Indian man. That that's like that's real bad, man. That's not good. That, that's like, that's like a special type of racist, man. <laughs> oh man um well noah and i have always prided ourselves in the fact that uh kevin foggy is uh is a big fan of our podcast well we might lose him after after this uh i'm, this I'm podcast. so sorry i i know <laughs> that i'm really just limiting you guys but i mean hey i i just have to make my voice heard uh, uh that being said i'm still the biggest kingo fan out there uh uh kingo i miss you every day uh god god rest your soul i, I forget i don't even I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know if he dies in the movie. What have we done? Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, so um, on that note, if you have enjoyed this podcast, uh, please go give us a rating on the podcasting service you use. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, we're going to have, again, we're going to have links to everybody's uh, social media and the, and the show notes. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter uh, and social media, Twitter is at ConstructCompod. Uh, Instagram is Constructed Comics Pod and Facebook is Constructed Comics. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, Please be nice, be safe, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.